reading from Paul's epistle to the Romans. We know that from the beginning until now, all creations has been groaning in one great art of giving birth. And not only creation, but all of us who possess the first fruit of the Spirit, we too groan inwardly as we wait for our bodies to be set free. In hope we are, set, we are saved, but hope is not hope if its object is seen. Why does one hope for what one sees? And hoping for what we cannot see means awaiting in patient endurance. The Spirit too comes to help us in our weakness, for we don't, for we don't know what to pray as we should. But the Spirit expresses our plea in groanings too deep for words. And God knows everything in our hearts, knows perfectly as well what the Spirit is saying, because her intercessions of God's holy people are made according to the mind of God. This is one of our sacred texts. Thanks be to God. A reading from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they all met in one room. Suddenly, they heard what sounded like a violent, rushing wind from heaven. The noise filled the entire house in which they were sitting. Something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as she enabled them. Now, there were devout people living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, they all assembled. But they were bewildered to hear their native languages being spoken. They were amazed and astonished. Surely all of these people speaking are Galileans. How does it happen that each of us hears these words in our native tongue? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya around Cyrene, as well as visitors from Rome. All Jews or converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs too, we hear them preaching, each in our own language, about the marvels of God. All were amazed and disturbed. They asked each other, what does this mean? But others said mockingly, they've drunk too much new wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and addressed the crowd. Women and men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, it's what Joel the prophet spoke of saying. In the days to come, it is our God who speaks. I will pour out my spirit on all humankind. Your daughters and sons will prophesy. Your young people will see visions and your elders will dream dreams. Even on the most insignificant of my people, both women and men, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and billowing smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon will become blood before the coming of the great and sublime day of our God. And all who call upon the name of our God will be saved. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. It's a little bit daunting speaking before a group of people for the first time in a year. <laughs> At least if you're recording, if the sermon is a dud, you don't have to look in anybody's eye while it's happening. 
So, let's try this in one take. <laughs> Pentecost Sunday is often called the birthday of the church. Christ is ascended, his followers remain trying to figure out what to do next. And then as the spirit is poured out on each of them, the followers of Jesus become the church, the hands and feet of Christ on earth. However, there is something about this description that doesn't really sit right with me. We talk about it as though on this day, the church was formed from nothing, ex nihilo. Like the day before Pentecost, the church didn't exist, and then the day after Pentecost, it did. But that's not quite right, is it? All of the elements were already there, had always been there in some arrangement or another. The spirit had already been burning in the hearts of the people, has been since God breathed that spirit into our lungs in the first chapter of the first book. The people of God have assembled in different forms under different banners since they first marched through the Red Sea and gathered at the base of Mount Sinai. And even since that day, the church has gone through many forms and many seasons, not the same now as it ever has been or ever will be before. On Pentecost, it's not that something new came from nothing. It's that something shifted. A cloud crossing the sky was blown apart by a violent wind and came back together for a time in a new shape. No longer just men, but all genders. No longer just elders, but the young and the old. No longer just Jews, but Gentiles of every stripe. Wider borders, new arrangements, more languages, different skin tones, freer and freer, more aware and more open. This is the true celebration of Pentecost. Not the birth of an unchanging thing called the church, but the process, the movement. It's the violent wind and the transforming fire that gives rise and continues to give rise to new and beautiful incarnations of God's love. That is Pentecost. Pentecost is the day when we remember that the church of God is never the same from one moment to the next. And we thank God for it. Now the reason that the church is never the same from one moment to the next is because of the very nature of the Spirit that calls it into being. On Pentecost, we remember that the Spirit of God is wild. It cares nothing for our conventions or our fears. It only calls us boldly and honestly to embody our truth anew in every moment. On the day Jesus' followers opened their mouths and began to preach, to open doors and celebrate people of every tribe and nation and gender and age, make no mistake, it was not safe to do so. They proclaimed the same message of wild inclusion in front of the same people who had, only 50 days prior, sent Jesus to his execution. To these fearful men, the wildness was not sacred. It was blasphemy. As some looked on in wonder, others began playing a game of morality politics. These men are drunk, they said. Fools, just look at them. The Spirit of God does not work in this way. It's never been done this way before. We've gotten comfortable in the church 
comparing the spirit to a dove. It was, after all, the dove that fell on Jesus in his baptism, the wings of the dove, the dove's murmur, gentle, meek, manageable, tame. It's a good image for a Hallmark card. The Celtic church, meanwhile, has rejected this image. Rather, it describes the spirit not as a dove, but as the wild goose. The wild goose is not gentle. It is not murmuring or meek. The wild goose is loud. It doesn't coo, it honks. It doesn't flee when threats come near. It engages with flapping wings and a snapping beak. The wild goose is just that. It's wild. Wild geese, violent winds, tongues of fire, these are the images of this day. And on Pentecost, we remember the wildness of that spirit. Now, this idea of a wild spirit within us, it frightens us, as it did those Pharisees of old. And to some extent, it should. It threatens the status quo, the power, the wealth, the lies, the castles of sand we've meticulously put up in order to protect our comfort and shield us from life. But the truth is, if we are to be a people who trust in this wild spirit of God, then we must remain open-hearted and clinging to nothing. In our second reading this morning, the Apostle Paul or our first reading, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans likens the experience of surrendering to the Spirit to the experience of giving birth. All of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait. Now, I am not a woman, nor was Paul, for that matter, so I cannot speak firsthand on what it is like to give birth. I have, however, been in delivery rooms, and I get the idea. Labor hurts. Childbirth is painful, but the thing is, it doesn't move backwards once it's begun. Once new life begins to come forth, there can be no clinging to comfort or to lies or to the status quo, except to one's own detriment. Can you imagine if the early church had not been open to the wildness of the Spirit when the day of Pentecost came. Can you imagine if they had just stayed in their upper room, rightly afraid of the threats of persecution outside? What if they had felt the birth pangs and said, no thank you? If they heard the violent wind and ran for cover, saw the fire and hid inside? They would have formed some kind of collective, drafted some bylaws, flown under the radar, there are, after all, plenty of groups, religious groups even, that get along just fine without the Spirit. The Spirit will call us to let go of a hundred forms and to take on a hundred more, to abandon a hundred identities and step into a hundred new ones. It is always movement, always living and changing. If we are to be people who trust in the wildness of the Spirit of God within us, then we must remain open-hearted, clinging to nothing. Now, if this openness sounds frightening and the wildness sounds intimidating, there is an antidote. 
and that is while holding the pain in one hand to look forward to what the Spirit is moving us towards. It is a half-life we must say goodbye to and life itself to which we say yes. It is only because things are always moving that there is ever the possibility that things can get better. Because of change, there is hope. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter, when he was writing of a creation groaning with the pains of labor, it was not to tell the community to brace themselves. It was not a message of misery or despair. It was a letter about hope. Yes, there is pain right now, he says, but it is the pain of becoming, the pain of something new being born. It's the pain of the kingdom of God and the new order of freedom and truth coming to fruition in and around you. And likewise, the author of Acts writes of a day of fire and violent wind, but it is not a story about disaster. It's a story about hope. The old is blown over, burned down, the pieces torn apart and rearranged, and after that, truer, freer, braver, more expansive life is in its place. Every healthy church has stories of difficult seasons. There are the stories of the decision to racially integrate, of making the move to be open and affirming of LGBTQ persons. There are stories about pastor transitions and meetings that exploded and being kicked out of conventions. There are all manner of difficult stories of change, of having to let go and follow a wild spirit into an unknown world. But for each of these stories, you hear a refrain. Thank God we didn't stay like we were. Thank God we moved forward towards freedom, towards life. It cost us everything, but by God, we are alive. And whether we're talking about churches or relationships or ourselves, in order to follow life, in order to follow the wildness of our spirit, there must be constant movement and change because it is always towards the truer, the better, and the more joyful and free. Constant change is uncomfortable, but because of change, there is hope. Northminster, Pentecost is exactly the day we need right now. Because over a year ago, a violent wind came and blew us apart, and we faced a choice. Choose fear, grit our teeth, cling to a particular form of doing church, or let go of everything and move into a land we could not make any predictions about and trust the wildness of the Spirit with each step. And we chose to trust. We chose the unknown, and we became something that we did not think we could. And now the winds are blowing again, and we're coming back together in a different formation. But it would be foolish to think that back means the same, because we're not the same, and we're never going to be the same. Since we were last in this place, we've seen race riots. We've seen an attempted coup. 
We have seen hurricanes and sickness and death on a scale that we could not have imagined. We are not the same. And that is okay. Because the church is never the same from one moment to the next. Should never be clinging to a particular form or identity or way of being. So in whatever comes next, because of course something is going to come next. Let us continue to trust the wildness of this spirit within us. Let us continue to listen to her voice with open hearts, embracing every movement and becoming whoever we are called to become, remembering that it is only because of the movement, because of the change, that there is hope. This is the day we remember that the church of God is never the same from one moment to the next. And we thank God for it. And I thank you, Northminster, for your openness and your wildness and your hope. Happy Pentecost and welcome home.